You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on, Uncanceled? How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're tuning in on our uh, Spotify, Uncanceled, or our Impact Youth YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I have a great word for you guys today about how to keep the fire going, how to keep the fire going. Uh, But before we do that, it is time again to rate that apple. apple. All right. Here we go. What do we got today, Ben? Um, this is this is a exciting one. So one of our awesome students, shout out DJ, um, he got us these apples from a local spot in his town, and this is his favorite apple. It is a Jonathan apple. I'm not gonna lie, it has a lot of weight to it. It's it's dense. A lot of weight to it. It's dense. It was like let like this this apple like has to weigh more than most apples. I think I like I think you're right. It's dense. Wow. All right. Well, honestly, by look, it looks great. It feels it looks great. Good. DJ, forgive us if we're harsh on this apple. Uh-oh. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's try it out. All right. Hmm. I don't even know what I think on that. Interesting. It's yeah. interesting. I've never tasted an apple like this in my life. It's kind of like, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's like not sweet, but it's also not really tart. No. It's different. Doesn't it kind of taste like a plum to you? Yeah, it does. This Is tastes this a like plum? a plum. Like, and it has the same plum? texture as a plum. Like, it's like kind of like, it's like a slightly like underripe plum. Is mm. the texture. Wow. This is the most different. Guys, if you can try a Jonathan apple, do it just because it is the most different apple you'll ever taste in your life. It's not bad. No. It's not good, though, either, I wouldn't necessarily say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got pretty good bites with it. Like, it kind of snapped. Um, and the skin's not awful. It's a little chewy skin. Um but the texture's pretty good. The taste is just plum-like. Yeah, and it like it's not really like honestly, it almost falls under the category. It's a little bit flavorless, I think, because of mm. the because of the fact that it's not sweet or or, or like um, super tart. Yeah. Um, but I, I would probably give this apple like a seven. I'm gonna give it a six. A six. Okay. I'm gonna give it a six. Because it's a little too plum-like. But it's not bad. I mean... It's uniqueness gave me a seven. Just because like, there's fair. not an apple like it. Like, you, you know? so That's fair. I, I enjoy this apple. If you can get yourself a Jonathan apple, don't expect too much. It's not my favorite, DJ. Yeah. I don't know about it being a favorite. Yeah, I don't even know. DJ, if you're watching this right now, thank you for providing the apples. Yeah, thank I, you. I'm very happy that I had it, though. Yeah. Like, like I'm not like... It's not like... We have this other apple that I won't name because hopefully we'll get it at some point that we had that was just like, I, I didn't even need to try that. Like it wasn't like, it was pointless. Like it was just the worst apple ever. Yeah. This one, I'm happy I tried it and, and I would even get one again in the future. Yeah. If any other students want to bring us apples to rate, 
Yeah, yeah, that'd Do be it. great. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, just, we're just give us an uh, we're, we're in. That's it. it. But yeah, just take right. it. Just take it. Praise God. Praise God. Rate that apple. No. Let, come on now. That's a, if anybody has an idea for like how we can like kind of like do like a less cornier sound to that or whatever. If you guys like it, drop it in the comment if you like it. The name stays. The name stays. All right. The name stays. Praise God. How to keep the fire going. If you're here for spiritual matters and not for foolery about apples, this would be your time to, to listen to the podcast. <laughs> listen, if you don't think that that podcast is funny, that's unfortunate. It's a good podcast. Or it's a good segment, segment of the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, people come back from camp or like if you attend them back to youth, or if you go to faith church, or if you don't do either or one of those, we go to this camp called Hume. And we go to Hume and everyone's just so on fire for God. I call it the camp high. Like everyone's just so on fire for God. Oh, I'm so on fire for God. Oh my goodness, I've never felt this way in my life. Um, You know, I'm willing to do anything for God, anything that he tells me to do. You know, they go to a service. Wow, I'm so on fire for God. But then they seem to come back. And fortunately, I would actually say that since camp, there's many of our students uh, for the last two or three weeks that we've had after camp. I'm very impressed that they're really keeping it going. They're keeping the fire going really well. Um, but maybe some of you are watching this and you've backslidden from your fire before, and you're wondering, how can I keep the fire going, or how can I even reignite the fire that I once had? First off, before I continue, I want to define what it means to be on fire for God, because some of you might be thinking, like, well, do I literally need to go light myself on fire right now? No, that is not being on fire for God. That's being weird. Don't do that, and that's very bad, but what does it mean to be on fire for God? Being on fire for God is, is, is an extreme passion for the Lord where you want to serve him more, be used by him more, and you just have a super deep love for the Lord. That's being on fire for God. You just want to, you just want to do whatever you can to please the Lord. You had an encounter with God that like you've never had before. And now you just want to serve the Lord with everything that you have. That's being on fire for God, right? So how do we keep that going? And note this, you, can, you literally can't keep the fire going without these things. It will burn out. You may be able to keep the fire going for a month to, you know, by just coming to church services, but you will not be able to keep the fire going for the rest of your life. People think in Christianity that sometimes I'm going to be on fire. Sometimes I'm not going to be on fire. Sometimes, you know, I'm going to be doing really well. Sometimes I'm going to be doing really bad. It's up to you if you want to stay on fire or not. You never have to not be on fire. You never have to be in a lull in your faith. Am I saying you'll never have a difficulty or challenge? No, there may be difficulties and challenges. However, that doesn't mean that you have to stop being on fire. That doesn't mean that you have to go down into a valley and stay there forever. It doesn't mean that you can literally live a life, and I talked about this last week, living a life above sin in victory. You can live in victory. You can live, you can literally live right up here on fire for God all the time, regardless of what's going on in your life. You can go from victory to victory, from faith to faith. 
but it can only be done by maintaining these four principles that I'm about to teach you right now. And if you've been an impact for any period of time and you actually listen and pay attention, then you will know that these four things I've said many, many times before. Can I just say real quick, last night we had a phone box for our students and I was, and I, I did not mandate it. I didn't say you have to put your phone in the phone box. I said, this is an option if you really want to decide to pay attention tonight. Like you just really want to pay attention. When I say probably, I don't know, Ben, like half of the students in the room, maybe a little bit more, my half, a little more, put their phone in the box. It blessed me so much because I was just like, wow, they, they really want to do everything they can to receive uh, in the service in the same way that they wanted to go and receive in the service with everything they had and they were willing to eliminate anything else around them um, to, to focus on the Lord is the same way that we should be willing to do whatever it takes to be on fire for God. This might be a two-parter. This might be a two-parter, keep being on fire for God, just because I got, I, there's a couple more things that I actually wanted to address in this that I didn't put in my notes, but we'll see what the Lord will do. Amen. Uh, my first thing of how to keep the fire going, we keep the fire going through prayer, through prayer. This should be a no brainer, but just in case it's not, and that's okay if it isn't, maybe nobody's ever taught you before. John 15, it says, I'm the, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so what does that have to do with prayer? What does that have to do with what I'm talking about? What does it mean, fruit, branches, all this type of stuff? Okay, Jesus Christ, or God the Father, is the gardener. God the Father is the gardener. Jesus Christ, God the Son, is the vine. We, the body of Christ, are the branches. If, we're, if a tree is not connected to the vine, it will die. If a branch is not connected to the vine, it will literally die. If uh, Think about it. If a branch, you snap a branch off and you throw it on the ground, what happens? It will die. The branch will die. It will eventually get very frail. You'll be able to break it very easily. Why? Because it's not connected to the vine. If you're, a, if you're an apple tree, right? If, something, if there's an apple tree, right? And there's a branch connected to the vine. What will happen? The branch connected to the, uh, to the vine of the apple tree will produce apples. If it's not connected to the vine, it will literally die and it won't produce anything. In the same way, if we are not connected to the vine who is Christ, then we won't be able to produce anything. We, won't, we will literally die. The fire on the inside of us will die if we're not connected to the vine. So, how do we stay connected? We stay connected through one of the ways is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is literally a direct connection between you and God where you're talking to God. You're worshiping God. You're literally having a conversation with the Father. And that's keeping you connected to him. How do you stay connected to people? Think about it, right? Any, have you ever said, I lost touch with this person? 
maybe you're too young to say I've ever lost touch with anyone. What that means though is like you just don't really talk to them as much anymore. Maybe you went off to college. Maybe you, you know, moved to a different state. Maybe your friend moved away from you and you don't talk to them as much. And so you're not as connected to them anymore or you haven't talked to them as much anymore. So we stay connected by talking. Prayer is a way for us to talk to God. It's many things. Prayer is, prayer is a time of worship and praise to God. But prayer is a connection to God. If we don't stay connected to God in prayer, we'll be like one of those branches that's cut off of a tree and we'll die. We'll be like a branch severed from the vine. We'll produce no fruit and we'll die. We cannot expect to stay on fire for God if we're not connected to the vine. So, okay, if we're not connected to the vine, then we're not going to be on fire. But if we are connected to the vine, then we will be on fire. Someone cannot be on fire for God without being consistently connected to the very person that they say they're on fire for. Oh, I'm on fire for God, but you haven't talked to him in five weeks. You're not connected to him. You're not connected to him. That fire will die. Matthew chapter six, verse five. Matthew chapter six, verse five. Matthew chapter six, verse five. I hope that if you, if you do watch these podcasts regularly, uh, and even if you're just watching for the first time, pull out your Bible. This is how you can know that I'm not lying to you and just making up scriptures and that you can actually see like I'm reading this from the word of God. Matthew chapter six, verse five. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. But I want to focus on when you pray. It was Jesus' expectation that we would pray. How do I know this? He said, when you pray. It's in the same way when I say to somebody, when you eat. Yeah, when you eat, you know, eat healthy. I'm assuming that they're going to eat. Jesus, in the same way, had an expectation that his followers would pray. In this text specifically, if I'm not mistaken, in this text specifically, he's addressing the disciples. And he's addressing the disciples, and he's telling them, yes, he's, he's addressing the, the disciples. Um, I just wanted to check on it real quick. But he's addressing the disciples and he's saying to his disciples then, when you pray. Well, guess what? Where is disciples now? So he's saying, when you pray. And then he goes and he shows us how to pray. And if you want to know how to pray, you can go and watch one of our other podcasts. We have a whole teaching on how to pray. But when you pray, Jesus had an expectation that we would pray. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. This shows you about what Jesus did. Jesus, he just healed somebody of leprosy. And Jesus in verse 15, Luke chapter 6, verse 15, it says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. It was Jesus' regular habit to withdraw to the place of prayer. Jesus constantly withdrew to prayer. 
Why? Because Jesus wanted to stay connected to the Father. Jesus wanted to stay connected to the Father. Every listen to this. If we're supposed to imitate Christ, then we should also uh, we should also withdraw to prayer as well, right? We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Follow me as I follow Christ. So we need to be imitators of Christ. The Bible also says to be imitators of Christ. And believe it says that in Romans. Be imitators of Christ. So if we're being imitators of Christ, therefore, then we should imitate what Christ did by withdrawing to the place of prayer. We will not have consistent fire for God if we are not connected to God in the place of prayer. We will not have consistent fire for God. You need to be connected to God in prayer. You need to be connected in prayer. All right, practically, what does this look like? If you want to know how to pray and you don't know how to pray and you're thinking, okay, like this, this, just, this just sent me for, for a trip one time. I was, I was so annoyed. I was at this uh, youth uh, thing and I was gathered with all of the leaders and I was talking and I was saying that I wanted the students to go uh, pray for like 15 minutes which that's like, it's very easy to pray for 15 minutes once you, once you figure out how to pray properly. And I was like, yeah, we're going to go pray for 15 minutes. And one of the leaders goes, yeah, like that's going to take them like 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, you don't pray. Uh, as soon as that, like, that's what that said to me. As soon as somebody said like, oh, you know, oh, that's going to take them like 30 seconds to pray. No, it's not. Like if you know how to pray properly, it's not going to take you 30 seconds to pray. In fact, 30, it will feel like an, a minute, but you've been praying for five minutes. It will feel like two minutes, but you've been praying for 10 or 15 minutes. It goes by so quickly when you pray properly. When you pray properly. Am I saying that there's only one way to pray specifically? No, I'm not saying there's one way to pray specifically, but there is a there is a format of prayer or an example of prayer that Christ has provided for us. And when we fall under that, it goes so quickly to be able to pray. Matthew chapter 6 says all about it. Watch the video on how to pray. Watch the video on how to pray. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on our Spotify. Watch how to pray. It, is, it, is, it will change your life. It will change your life. Um, not because it's me. Because it's the teachings of Jesus Christ. It will bless you. It'll bless you. Watch that teaching. Next, how to keep the fire going. We have prayer. We have second. We have praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. What is praying in the spirit? Praying in the spirit is speaking in tongues. That's what praying in the spirit is. It's when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and as an evidence that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, pray, you speak in tongues. It is a language, a heavenly language, that, that God, uh, by the Holy Spirit, gives us the utterance to speak in or the ability to be able to speak in. And it, it is, it's a powerful, powerful tool, tool. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says that the Holy Spirit speaks, uh, speaks to us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words and that it prays for the perfect will of God. Literally, when you pray in tongues, you're praying for the perfect will of God. But here's why praying in the Spirit will help keep your fire going. Jude 20, by the way. Jude only has one chapter, so when you're referring to Jude, you can just say the the script. You could just say the verse. You don't have to say Jude one twenty because there's only one uh, one chapter in Jude. So Jude twenty. 
It says, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Other translations, and I like the way that it puts it better, is pray in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. When we pray in the Spirit, it literally builds up your faith. You get your faith stirred up so much where you're just praying in the Spirit. You're excited about what the Lord is doing. Your faith just starts to stir. How will that keep you on fire? If your faith is being stirred and built up, then your fire is going to be maintained. Your desire for the Lord, what is faith, right? Faith, obviously, we know from Hebrews, is the, uh, the evidence, the substance of things uh, hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know what faith is, right? Faith in God, believing in God, believing he'll, he'll do what his word says that he'll do. If we increase our faith, then naturally our fire is going to stay increased, right? Because I talked about what fire is. It's a desire to serve God, and it's a desire to be used by him. It's a deep love for God. If our faith is being increased, then our fire is being increased, So if you want to increase your faith, you should dedicate time every single day to pray in the spirit. I was talking to a student the other day and he was like, like, dude, like I don't really pray in tongues that often. Like, like I do sometimes, but not really. And I said, you should pray in tongues every single day. And he was like, well, I know I should, but like when? And I was like, I don't know, on your way to work, after work, during work. I don't really care. Like, it's funny. Like, like people think like you like need to like, like you need to like, uh, like it, it, you could pray in tongues at any time. You don't need to pray in tongues. Like at three o'clock every day, I will pray in tongues. You could do that if you really want to stick to that, but you can just pray in tongues on your way to work. Do it. It will build up your faith. You'll be stirred up on your, uh, you'll be stirred up by the time that you get there. I'm not saying to make that your prayer time necessarily, but I am saying that go ahead, pray in tongues on the way to work. There is nothing wrong with that. I pray in tongues in the car sometimes. Sometimes if I have a super long day and I have like an hour drive by myself, I'll pray for an hour just in the car. That, that will be like prayer time for me. Nothing wrong with that. Go ahead and pray in the car. Do it. Whatever. Whatever it takes for you to pray in the spirit, just do it. It will build up your faith. I set a timer for two minutes to five minutes every single day and I just pray in the spirit. And then throughout my entire prayer time, I just pray in the spirit. Why? Because when I run out of words to say, that's when I just start to pray in the spirit. I, uh, I, I heard about the, uh, this man of God. His name's Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. He uh, one, one night felt led to stay in a church service. Uh, he had just preached in the day service and the night service. And he felt led by the spirit to stay and pray for the entire night for the next service uh, on Monday night. And so he decided to start praying and he prayed everything he possibly could in English, he said. And he just prayed and he looked at the timer, six minutes. He was like, that felt so long. So he decided, I'm just going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to prophesy of what, what I'm believing to happen in this service. He said that the next six hours flew by like this. He, he didn't even believe how fast the time went by. Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, You're literally just praying for God's will. You're building up your faith. Your faith is getting stirred so much and you just want to keep on praying. Praying in the spirit is uh, is a thing that will unlock the next level of faith for you. Praying in the spirit. And it's unfortunate for people that don't believe in praying in the spirit anymore because their faith is not going to be stirred up in the same way. Pray in the spirit every single day. So prayer will keep the fire going. Praying in the spirit will keep the fire going. Three, reading and studying the word of God. 
Reading and studying the Word of God. This is kind of a no-brainer, reading and studying the Word of God. Really and truly, all of these kind of are. But Psalms. Psalms. By the way, just while I'm turning there, this is just a fun fact. If you're referring to a chapter in Psalm, Psalms, it's a psalm. If you're referring to the book of Psalms, it's a psalm. Psalms. There you go. Psalms is the book. Psalm is the chapter. So I'm going to Psalm 119. That kind of gets your like uh, a little tongue tie going on saying saying uh, Psalms, Psalms. Psalms 119, verse 105. When I say this is the longest chapter of the Bible, it is the longest chapter of the Bible. Very long. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God will literally keep you and guide you. It will guide your path. Listen to this. How can you walk in a path that's on fire for God if the Bible says that his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path? How can you walk on the path that God has for you without the word then? How can we walk in the fire without the word of God? We can't. It's literally impossible to walk in the fire of God and not have the word of God because the word of God is where we get truth. I said in my sermon yesterday uh, that I preached about um, winning our generation for Jesus Christ. Uh, I literally talked about the fact that in John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus says that if you're my true disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. We need to know the truth of God's word in order for us to stay on fire. Why? Because just like it says here, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word of God will light your path. It will guide you. We need the word of God to walk in the fire of God. Reading and studying the word of God will also keep you from the number one thing that puts out the fire like this. The number one thing that will wipe your fire out is sin. Sin will wipe you out. Sin and fire cannot exist together. Sin and fire cannot uh, exist together. If you're in sin, you will not be on fire. I don't care what you say. If you're in sin, you will not be on fire. Sin will put your fire out like that, like that. So we need to know the word of God because the word of God will actually help us not fall into sin. How do I know this? Because again, the one that we should be imitating, Jesus Christ, dealt with it the same way. Luke chapter four. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. And he says, Satan says to him, Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, what did he say? The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. See, Jesus was on a fast. Jesus wasn't eating right right, uh, then and there. And so Jesus is tempted by the devil. And Jesus could have been like, you know, that's, that's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Maybe I should just eat this bread. But because he knew the word of God, he said, no, it is written that man shall not uh, live by bread alone. So Jesus knew the word of God. 
So he was able to counteract the temptation of the enemy. But watch this. This is where studying the word of God comes in. So, so you actually need to read the word of God to at least like know some scriptures, right? To be able to stand when temptations come our way. But this is where actually knowing the word of God comes in. Satan said to Jesus, Satan gets, tripped, gets tricky sometimes. He gets tricky. He goes, says in verse 9, Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. Look at what Satan says. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Satan is literally using scripture to tempt Jesus. Wow. But then Jesus responds, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. What did Jesus do right there? Jesus actually had studied the word of God. He actually knew the word of God and studied the word of God. He understood that, no, that's not correct. That even though the word of God does say that, that he understood the context, he understood what it really meant, and he understood what that scripture really meant which that scripture really means not to put God to a test and jump off stuff and purposely try to harm yourself and hope God will protect you. But if harm tries to come your way and it's not in your control, or if you're preaching the gospel and harm comes your way, then there you go. Then the angels would protect you. Then they'll be around you not to go and foolishly test God. So we actually need to study the scripture And really know the scripture because Satan can get tricky with us and he'll be like, oh, he'd be like, okay, they like, they they go off on the word of God. All right, well, I'm going to try and use the word of God to get them to sin. Satan will be tricky like that. We need to know the word of God in order to make sure that we don't fall into sin, which will put out our fire like that. And if you're struggling with sin and you want to live above sin, watch the podcast from last week. That will help you. Sin will knock you out so fast. And the word of God will keep you grounded to keep, you, to keep your fire going. How can we ever stay on fire for God? Let me ask you this. How can we ever stay on fire for God if we don't know his word? Because watch this. The Lord gave me this while I was writing this. Think about it. How could you work for a boss without knowing his instructions? How could you work for a boss without knowing his instructions? You would get fired so fast if you never knew the instructions from your boss, if you were just doing stuff. Yeah, I just kind of go to work and kind of just do whatever I want and I just figure it out as I go. You would get fired because you, you wouldn't be following your boss's instructions. In the same way, this is the instructions of, of our boss right here, the one that we're supposed to be on fire for. We cannot be on fire for God if we do not know his instructions. We cannot work and serve God if we do not know his instructions. We need to know the word of God. Every believer should really work themselves up to reading and studying the word of God for 30 minutes every single day. Every believer, that's just studying and reading the word of God. I believe that every believer should work themselves up to 30 30 minutes a day. Work yourself up to that. If you have to start smaller, start smaller, but work yourself up. Work yourself up. Prayer, praying in the spirit, and reading and studying the word of God. My last thing. Fasting. Fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is literally when you choose to abstain from, uh, from food for a period of time so that you can pray and get closer to God. That's what fasting is. Fasting is d- about denying your flesh to build up your spirit. 
That's what fasting is. Spending time with the Lord instead of eating. Fasting, and people don't really like this, but I really don't, don't see a biblical case for uh, fasting social media. I think it might be good while you're fasting food to also fast social media because that's something that your flesh might turn to and stuff. So I get that. But I really, I really believe that biblically the fast that we see outlined is fasting food. There, and men of God fasted food. That's what they did. Women of God fasted food. That's what they did. If you want to take your, your walk to a whole nother level, fasting food is really what will take you to the next level. It, it may be good to also fast social media with that. I'm with that. Fast your social media. Don't go on it. Maybe it's a separate thing where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to fast social media right now and I'm going to do a food fast another time. All right. But there should be time and you should not be solely relying on social media fast. You should be fasting food. Jesus' expectation was for us to fast food. How do I know that fasting is actually food? How do I know that that's actually what the biblical fast is? Well, we'll see it right here. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 15, if you're turning there. Mm, I want to start in verse 14. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked, why don't your uh, disciples fast like we do and Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast. Real quick, in regard to the actual knowing that it was food, I believe I was referring to the, actually the passage in Luke. Let's see if I can, let's see if I could find that real quick, just because I want to, I want to show this. I just, I literally just read it the other day. I've been studying Luke. I believe it's in Luke chapter, there it is. Yes, it is. There it is. Luke chapter 33 or Luke chapter six, verse 33. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist disciples fast and pray regularly. And so do you, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? There seems to be a clear, literally eating and drinking, eating and drinking, abstaining from food. Obviously, listen, water, you know, you're drinking water. Water is good for you to stay hydrated. When I fast, sometimes I do, uh, I drink juices a lot of the time because it keeps my energy going to be able to like preach and stuff like that. But so I'm not saying like you literally can't drink like the entire time. If you feel led to do a no juice, nothing like that. And like, listen, protein shakes are not a fast either. Just so you know, protein shakes are literally a meal replacement. Like that's not a fast. Okay. But, uh, cause you're literally just eating at that point. But if you feel led to literally just do a strict water fast with no, with, with no, you know, juice or anything like that, then fine. But there should be an element of no eating and no drinking. There should be an element of something like that. At least the no eating. And Jesus responds and says that they're not fasting basically because I'm here right now. But when I leave, they will fast. Huh? Jesus seemed to have an expectation of fasting the same way he had an expectation of prayer. Jesus' expectation was fasting. So 
Why should we fast? What, what, what does fasting do? Well, we know that fasting brings power. I'm not going to turn there, but there's a text in the gospels where it's believe it's Mark 9, 29. If you want to look it up, Jesus says this kind can only be casted out by prayer and fasting. In some translations, it's put like that. And uh, Jesus um, is saying there basically that the disciples can cast out a demon because they weren't praying and fasting. So fasting will bring you power, but also in Acts chapter 13, verse two, a lot of people miss this when they talk about fasting. 13, verse two. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work for which I have called them. Fasting will make you more sensitive to hear the voice of the Lord. Fasting will make you more sensitive to the spirit of God. When I fast, I've noticed that I'm more sensitive to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm more sensitive to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because my flesh is being pushed down and my spirit is being built up. So we need to push our spirit down, deny, or push our flesh down, deny our flesh to build up our spirit. So when our spirit is stronger, now we're being more sensitive to hear the voice of God. Fasting is a necessity to stay on fire for God because it will make your flesh weaker, which will cause you to be to live above sin, right? Just like I talked about, sin will put your fire out. We want to live above sin. If your flesh is being weakened, uh, weakened and your spirit is being strengthened, then you're less likely to fall into sin. Fasting will keep you on fire. Fasting will put your flesh on notice like, you don't control me. I, I do what the spirit wants me to do. Fasting will put your flesh on notice. Practically, fasting is literally health to your body. Fasting will actually decrease your chances of cancer by 85%. If you fast 10 days every year, I believe, I think it's, I don't know if it's, I forget if it's 10 days in a row or 10 days every year, but it will actually decrease your chance of having cancer by 85% because it will get all the corrupted DNA and different like stuff out of your body. Uh, if you're a common believer and you're not called to ministry, by the way, there's no biblical case for you to fast for more than three days. There's no need to fast for more than three days biblically. If you are a minister and you feel called to ministry, there will be times where you will fast for much more than three days. I know a lot of ministers that fast for 21 days at the beginning of every single year. But you have to build yourself up to that. Listen to me. Do not fast for three days if you've never fasted a meal. Do not fast for three days if you've never fasted a day. Do not fast for 10 days if you've never fasted three days. Do not fast for seven days if you've never fasted three days. Like literally, you're supposed to build yourself up in that area. Start with one meal. And don't just don't eat. That's starving yourself. That literally is the most pointless thing ever if you just go, oh yeah, you know, I'm just not eating today to, to honor the Lord. You're supposed to build up your spirit by denying your flesh and spending time with the Lord. That's what fasting looks like, okay? So fast, yes, start with one meal. What if during lunch every single day at your school, you found a place that you could go to spend time with the Lord instead? If you can't do that, what if instead of eating breakfast in the morning and taking time to do that, you fasted breakfast and waited to eat at lunch, right? Those are very practical ways you can start to fast. What if you then moved to fasting from morning until sundown, 6 a.m. till 5 p.m., 6 p.m., right? You could do that. 
What if you, and then you said, okay, you know what? I've done that a couple of times. Now I'm going to fast for a full 24 hours. Build yourself up. This is really and truly a requirement of a believer to fast. It really is. Believers that don't fast will find themselves not being as strong in their spirit. And they'll find themselves really and truly not being as on fire for the Lord. So again, let's review. We have prayer. We have praying in the spirit. We have reading and studying God's word and we have fasting. Those are four important keys to staying on fire. If we're not doing those things, we cannot and we will not stay on fire. I say that for myself and I promise you, I hold my thing, myself to check to the things that I say here. I hold myself in check to the things that I say. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that I'm Jesus Christ because I'm not, but his spirit lives on the inside of me and I strive every single day to be able to be more and more like Jesus Christ and spend time in his presence. Prayer, praying in the spirit, reading and studying God's word and fasting. I think next week I'm going to talk about the importance of listening to spiritual mentors in your life, listening to spiritual mentors in your life. We'll see what God will speak to me though for next week. I hope that this encouraged you. I hope that this blessed you. Uh, and I just want you guys to know if you are uh, between the ages of 6th and 12th grade. Come here on a Wednesday night. Give us a shot. We have a good time, man. We have a good time. We play games. We have a good time in the presence of God. Like, le like we literally, like, just have an absolute extravaganza every single week. There's a ton of fun stuff to do at Impact Youth here at Faith Church. So send your student out. If you're a parent watching this, if you're a student, come on out. We'd love to see you guys. We love you so much, and God has a great plan for your life, and we can't wait to see you on the podcast next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless. God bless.